0: This is MPN.
1: Welcome to Movie Matchup. I'm Casey and I'm Grace a podcast where we talk in-depth about two movies with a common theme, and at the end, we'll talk about menu items you can enjoy while having your movie marathon. Grace, what is this week's theme? This week's theme
2: is uh, Better to Be a Bridesmaid. Uh, And, um, yeah, our first movie (laughs) uh, for that theme is Ready or Not, which... I just went with uh, the, a very, very short. A bride's wedding night takes a sinister turn when her eccentric new in-laws force her to take part in a terrifying game. <laughs> That's it. That's all.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Mine are very short, too. So uh, our second movie in Better to Be a Bridesmaid is, uh, well, you can make it a triple feature if you want. We did Kill Bill volumes one and two. Uh, and then I have very short descriptions so for volume one after awakening from a four-year coma a former assassin wreaks vengeance on the team of assassins who betrayed her and for volume two the bride continues her quest of vengeance against her former boss and lover bill the reclusive balancer bud and the treacherous one-eyed l and so those are just the the imdb plot descriptions okay grace do you want to talk about our first movie yeah, let's go. So, ready or
2: not, we start with a sort of a flashback prologue to uh, a couple of young boys um uh, who are uh, attempting to hide uh when a uh groom comes up upon them who's looking to to hide himself and uh the uh, oldest of the young boys gives him away to a <laughs> what looks like a, a a very scary satanic cult in in some sort of terrifying like twilight zone-esque masks and <laughs> uh they shoot him and uh take him away despite the uh protestations of his um new bride and then we flash forward to a new wedding <laughs> and we meet our uh heroine grace yay grace yay. that's my name guys. <laughs> Uh, Grace is uh, about to marry into the. Uh, oh shoot! I forgot to write their name down. Ladolmas, I believe, is the family name. Um, a, a like gaming empire family, and they're they're super duper rich. And as she's preparing for the wedding, her husband to be and uh, his brother are being a little bit cagey the whole time. They're like telling her, you know, you don't have to go through with this and. You know, you don't really belong in this family, and we mean that as a compliment—that
1: yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> Give her an out, yeah.
2: Yes, <laughs> but uh, she's she's in. She's all in. What what she thinks is that they don't like her because she's like not rich enough, or they they she thinks the family maybe thinks she's a gold digger or something like that. Yeah. But we <laughs> we go through the wedding, and um, during that time, we also meet. Uh, Her new mother-in-law, played by Andy McDowell. (laughs) We get a a little bonding (laughs) moment between the two of them. They seem to to kind of hit it off, which is nice. Oh, we're also introduced to uh, the groom's aunt, who's just there being a scary old woman the entire time.
1: (laughs) Yeah, she's just staring (laughs) And looking terrifying. Yeah, uh uh-huh. Which is also great for comedy to just cut to her, and she just looks like pure evil, just like scary. Yes. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and speaking of the scary aunt, so then they they after the wedding they go back to <laughs> uh, the groom's uh, bedroom and. Um, uh, are interrupted uh by the ants just popping out of the shadows to tell them that the whole family is waiting for them downstairs um which this also sets up that there are uh, like servants, um like I don't know what they're called like passageways throughout the house what sort are of, like mm-hmm. hidden passageways yeah uh, throughout this this giant mansion that they that their uh family lives in and is also where the wedding took place Alex, the uh, groom, informs his new bride that she needs to play a game in order to be officially inducted into the family. And it's just, like, something that they take extremely seriously. So they all go downstairs, and uh, we get a little backstory about the family's great-great-grandfather who made a deal with this man named Mr. Labelle, who gave him this, uh, like, sort of puzzle box and uh, promised to finance uh, his endeavors so long as uh, he played the game. And so now every time a new family member is inducted, they uh, have to take a card from the box and play whatever game is on the card. Uh, So Grace does this, she gets the game hide and seek, and (laughs) you can cut the tension in the room with a knife.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah because the box chooses the game like you put an empty card into the box and then it's just the box prints the the game on the card yeah uh
2: alex is clearly freaked out but he tries to play everything normal uh, and ask grace to meet him in his room um but she's you know just finding everything very funny um yeah (laughs) the fact that she has to play hide and seek Uh, So she heads off to try to hide, and uh, they play a super creepy hide-and-seek song (laughs) while the entire family gets uh, weapons, like, clue-style weapons to hunt her down. (laughs) And I love the song that plays uh, uh, while the whole, like, hiding and, and, and weapon handing out is happening. I actually looked it up to see if... Uh, This was a real, like, song that, Mm -hmm. like, a children's, like, (laughs) old children's song. And it wasn't. It was was created for the movie. Oh, okay. And if you look at the lyrics, it's clearly, like, just on the wrong side of, like, too creepy to have been a real song. (laughs) (laughs) But it's great. Um, Grace hides in a dumbwaiter. Everybody else uh, goes off to find her. And it's not long before Grace gets bored and then leaves the dumbwaiter. And I just want to point out that as she's leaving, her skirt of her wedding dress gets caught. And she tears it in order to get it out. And this is just the first of so many (laughs) abuses that this wedding dress undergoes throughout this movie. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So she's tired of hiding, she's wandering around. At the same time, uh, her sister-in-law's kids somehow get out of bed and are, and are off wandering around, and so their nanny is looking for them. Uh, as Grace is wandering, she, she gets pulled uh, by Alex back into his room, and he uh, pulls her over and, and tries to get her to hide and explain to her what's going on, but before they can, the nanny uh, walks into the room. And then, <laughs> uh, just after that happens, she gets shot in the head. <laughs> <laughs> So Alex has pulled Grace down behind the bed, uh, but she's witnessed now the nanny be shot in the head and the entire family come to see what's happening and realize that it was not Grace that they shot, or that his sister uh, shot, but um, the nanny. um. (laughs) Uh, And this whole thing is, it's terrifying and funny at the same time, I feel like, because you have the family like, oh, it's going to be okay while this girl who's, like, not quite dead yet is, like, coughing up blood.
1: Yeah, because of all the different personalities and the the daughter who just, you know, she just can't get murder right and she's on coke (laughs) and so she just, she, like, feels bad and she's, like, kind of whining because she's, like, screwing up and her parents have to comfort her that, like, she messed up and not try to give her too hard of a time for murdering the wrong person
2: yeah yeah and and uh while all this is happening poor grace is hiding behind the the bed just like terrified and crying <laughs> because it's her that they're trying to murder
1: yes now she knows she's
2: just now realized that yeah <laughs> they pull this, this this poor dead nanny's body out of the room now and <laughs> uh, alex has grace grab her shoes and we get the whole backstory uh from him his family is part of Basically, a satanic cult, and they think because she she pulled the hide and seek card, um, they think they have to kill her. Otherwise, uh, something terrible is going to happen to all of them uh, if they don't kill her before dawn. Um, and this is this is kind of the point where the movie kind of has to sell you a little bit on this concept because it's like, why didn't why would he you know willingly put her in this position? And it's and it's it's sort of explained as. He's never really had to like he was very young the last time this happened and uh, and so it's not really something that he's uh, had to to witness like his his brother and his sister have been gotten married and they just played a game and uh, but we have a backstory with her she was in the foster uh, system and she's always wanted a family and and uh, he loves her so much and he knew that if he didn't propose that she was gonna leave him so it's a hey, You know, it works for me. I I think it's uh, it's the kind of thing that that people could convince themselves was like, it'll all work out. It'll be fine, you know?
1: (laughs) Yeah. He also, he, I feel like it's the thing of standing up to your family and then not liking that they were murderers and wanted to distance himself and she's like such a good person and she's like the only good thing that he has, but she wants to get married. And so it kind of, you know, gotten, so he thinks that this is going to be a better life. He just has to get through like this ceremony, you know? Yeah.
2: Yeah. So they form a plan. He's going to go to like the security room and, and, uh, disable the, cause all the doors and windows have been locked for the game. Um, and, uh, uh try to unlock everything so that, uh, they can, uh, get out. She's supposed to meet him at the door. Um, We also, uh, another outfit change she puts on her sneakers at this point. Good girl. Yes, yes. (laughs) And it's one of the things I really like about this movie is, is, you know, things don't go well for her always and there are a few, like, you know, times that she, like, just has the usual, like, fuck-ups, but it everything she does it doesn't feel like she's doing anything stupid throughout this movie i don't have those moments of like why are you doing that it, it always feels like yes this is how a real person would react to the
1: situation yeah no she is like trying to get out she's trying to get help and stuff like that and then it just things aren't working out for her but yeah she's not making stupid decisions to like keep the story going and keep her in the environment yeah
2: so uh, they split up. Uh, she immediately gets spotted by uh, members of the family, but they're in the middle of carrying the uh, dead girl's corpse, so they can't. <laughs> so they can't chase after her <laughs> that quickly. <laughs> uh, so uh, she runs away and is able to to get away and manages to get uh, to a room. And uh, Daniel, who's the, the older brother, he finds her first, but. He's kind of he's kind of a good guy. He doesn't really want to do this. He's, <laughs> he's also drunk pretty much throughout the movie. Yeah, he's uh, kind of,
1: he's he's like sort of weak. Like he's willing to go along with what his family wants, but you can tell he doesn't want to do it, but he's not brave enough to kind of disobey his family. It's kind of like, you know, yeah. what, what he seems like. But it's uh, played by Adam Brody, our second Adam Brody film.
2: Yes, that's right. Yeah. And he's great in it. He is, um, yeah. yeah, kind of playing kind of a double agent this whole time you're like not sure really whose side he's on the whole time yeah he seems like a decent enough guy but yeah he doesn't want to be the one to disobey his family yeah so he basically gives her a 10-second head start um, and then uh, informs his family that where she well was <laughs> he also has an interesting relationship with his wife <laughs> Yes. Who says that she would rather be dead than be you know, than lose everything that she has? Um, and they, they don't really seem to uh, have a lot of affection for each other. Let's put it
1: that way. Yeah.
2: Oh, at this point, the uh, sister has lost her gun, <laughs> uh, so her husband has a crossbow that he's not a big fan of. He gets, he tries to give it to her, and she immediately kills another <laughs> serpent. <laughs> Arrow through the mouth. That's uh... great. <laughs> Only once again, she's not completely dead. <laughs> she's like gurgling. and Yeah. <laughs> and stuff. So uh, the the creepy aunt has to go and behead her with like a giant axe thing. Just love so many great weapons in this movie.
1: <laughs> there are. And the comedy with it also is good because, it, you know, people, these people, while they seem desensitized and they're fine with murder, they're not used to murder. So yeah. like the brother-in-law that is like trying to watch like the video, uh, like the internet video of like getting to know your crossbow, like just yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: and uh, yeah, the most of the family is like kind of incompetent with this whole thing, and it's it's especially funny because Andy McDowell, who uh, it, we we kind of like at the beginning of the movie, she like you know kind of bonds with Grace. She's also happens to be like the most competent one in the family. Like every time something goes wrong, she's just like, all right, calm down, work the problem. Yeah. Yeah. We, do <laughs> <this."> yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> we need to kill this girl. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so from there Grace goes uh back to the game room. Uh, where there were all the uh, weapons uh, on the wall. She grabs uh, a shotgun and uh, some shells, you another outfit change, you know, so <laughs> she's now yes. got uh, her, her the bottom part of her dress ripped off, uh, a shotgun, <laughs> and shells strapped across her chest. Yeah. And it's a great look. And it's the look that I used for my Halloween costume last year.
1: And you um, look great. <laughs> yeah.
2: From there, she goes back to the kitchen where there's a door that she's waiting on Alex to unlock. But it's not unlocked yet. And just as she's about to uh, shoot the lock off, uh, she realizes that there's, there aren't any shells in the shotgun. And, and um, then the butler comes into the kitchen. And there's a great sequence where he's like making tea and like humming to himself. And she's very quietly trying to put the shells in okay, her shotgun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just when uh, he hears her, she like pops up. And she's uh, tries to shoot him, but uh, he informs her that the ammunition uh, that's this is like display only or something yeah. like that. It doesn't work. Yeah. So then she takes the tea kettle that she just filled with he just filled with boiling water and smacks it over his head. From there, um, oh, uh, Alex is found out in the security room by his dad, um, and they uh, fight, but not before he is able to disable the uh, locks uh, on the doors and windows. And then Grace comes across uh, the last servant <laughs> is who's hiding in a dumbwaiter. <laughs> when the servant finds out that they're looking for Grace, she decides to immediately rat her out, uh, and but accidentally hits the switch on the dumbwaiter at the same time. So then Servant Girl gets cut in half. <laughs> um, <laughs> and we have no more servants left, <laughs> aside from the bother. <laughs> it's great. They were like the red shirts of the movie.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: We, uh, get now Alex has been, like, tied up by his family so that he can't help Grace anymore. Um, and, uh, everybody else is, uh, still trying to find her. Uh, there's a great, <laughs> there's a great, uh, scene with, um, the brother-in-law is once again googling, uh, with the Devil real or bullshit. <laughs> 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 uh, during this time, Grace manages to find her way outside. Makes her way towards uh, Like a barn that's on the the property Yeah um, And when she's in there The kid uh, who was uh, Supposed to be sleeping Who the nanny was looking for earlier Is in there And uh, this kid has a gun And shoots her in the hand <laughs> Yeah because he's terrible. Um, <laughs> so she knocks the kid out, but then a goat startles her and she falls down like a well <laughs> that is also basically a pit of oh. like just sacrificial corpses. Yeah. <laughs> it's just full of dead ghosts and humans, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's terrifying. <laughs> and uh, her white wedding dress is no longer white at this point. <laughs> see uh grace climbs her way up this like rickety ladder she impales I guess her her shot hand on a a, a nail that's sticking out yeah. of the ladder at this point that, that poor hand just goes through uh, so much yeah <laughs> so much trauma um and also a sh- shout out to uh i don't know how you pronounce her name Samara Samara uh weaving who plays grace I'm, yeah her like she's so good at at being in pain yeah <laughs> it works so well um there's actually one a, a trivia on the the um like imdb was that the nail was cgi and they were worried about like it selling until they saw her performance and they were like yeah no this is gonna oh, be
1: Oh, <laughs> yeah i was wondering how they did that okay that makes sense
2: yeah <laughs> Um, at this point she uh, Cuts the sleeve off her dress So another outfit change yeah. In order to wrap her hand uh, She Makes her way to the fence uh, Daniel's wife spots her at this point And she finds like A, a, a sort of broken spot in the fence uh, And manages to to Squeeze her way out um, Also like cutting up her back At the same time she goes yeah. through a lot
0: mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> A lot in this movie Um So they know she's outside, uh, and the butler gets in a car and goes after her. The butler, whose like face is half burned at this point, but he's not letting that stop him. He's like, (laughs) that might fuel him. Yeah, he's like the Terminator or something. He just keeps going after her. Yeah. Uh, So he goes after her in the car and uh, has to get out of the car in order because they need her alive for the ritual. Uh, So he has to get out of the car and go after her, but she like sort of. Gets one over on him, and she manages to strangle him. She thinks to the point of him passing out, but I think it's kind of... it. It suggested that he's, he's sort of playing dead at that point. Uh, but she gets in the car, <laughs> and is on her way to freedom, when she calls, like, the, you know, the movie OnStar equivalent, basically, to ask them to call the police. Yeah. And <laughs> the guy informs her that the car's been reported stolen, and so he has to turn it off.
1: <laughs> Justin! Justin! <laughs>
2: and we also get some great cussing from her she's 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 just like an a-plus cusser in this movie i feel like
1: yeah she's just so upset like she's understandably upset and i feel like you can really relate to how irritated she is with this person that's just like he's just doing his job that's like oh the car's reported stolen so i have to shut it down and she's just so mad (laughs) And she, like, finds the car on the street before that. And they just want her to get out of the road. And it's like, can you not see the way that she is dressed? Like, she is yes. not doing okay. She needs help. Yeah.
2: Um. So he shuts down the car. And then Butler guy comes up to her, smashes out the window, and uh, shoots her with some sort of tranquilizer. Then he's driving her back. And uh, he's he's getting a little cocky. He thinks he's he thinks he's, he's won this thing and starts playing his, his classical music that he loves so much. Yeah. And, <laughs> and he doesn't hear her <laughs> when, uh, she wakes up and she kicks him in the head a couple times. And, uh, and basically this is this, this, like the car, he, he, he crashes the car. Um, like it rolls over. Butler is out of commission. Finally, <laughs> he's been defeated yeah. and she manages to get out, um, But at that point, Daniel sees her and uh, knocks her out. But it's revealed that he knew that his father was there watching the whole time.
1: Yeah. He also, he says a line, and I just want to come back to it later, but he ends up saying, he says, we all deserve to die. Yeah. Um, Anyway, continue on.
2: We also have uh, a little heart-to-heart with Alex and his mom, and uh, basically she's talking about how she understands and and everything, but uh, this is the only way to save their family, and and uh, all that good stuff. So, uh, and during this time, Alex is, uh, he's, like, handcuffed to a wooden like, bed. Uh, post, what's the word? yeah. Like, the bed, bed frame. yeah. yeah. Um, and is, like, sort of working his way out uh, of, of those handcuffs. Um, so the ritual begins, and uh, it requires all of them to, like, drink something. And then... <laughs> they all start reacting very badly to whatever it was they drank, and you realize that Daniel has poisoned everyone. He unties uh, Grace and uh, uh, is helping her to escape, because he's a good guy! Yay, Daniel! He came through! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but before they can get out, his uh, wife stops him uh, with a gun and uh, actually shoots him in, like, the throat area. It's 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 not a good... Not a good time. Yep. Grace manages to knock his wife out, and uh, then uses a lantern to knock out his father, um, and drop the lantern. So we've got a fire starting at this point.
1: Yes. Yeah.
2: <laughs> um, at that point, uh, Andy McDowell's mom attacks her, and Grace uses the uh, little puzzle card box <laughs> to beat Andy McDowell to death <laughs> because she has had it up to here at this point. Yeah. <laughs> and- um, at this point, uh, Alex has worked his way free, and uh, he gets there uh, just as Daniel uh, dies uh, from his gunshot wound, and then comes across Grace as she's beating his mother to death. Just
1: bashing her face in, yeah.
2: Yeah, just bashing her, <laughs> her in. Um, so he kind of realizes at this point that there's really no coming back from this in, in, when it comes to their relationship, grabs Grace, he calls the rest of his family who are still alive, um, he's he's fully on board now, they're gonna do this ritual and, uh, and kill her. And, and <laughs> the whole family is holding her down, he's got the knife, uh, he pulls it up and she manages to sort of get free just as he's bringing it back down. Um, grabs a knife for herself and it's at this point that everyone realizes that dawn has come, the sun is up. <laughs> And at first, it seems like nothing has happened. Which, when I was first watching, I thought was hilarious. Like, <laughs> because you're kind of assuming that the family is just insane this whole time. They're just part of this devil worshiping cult who have convinced themselves that they need to do this thing. Yes. Um, yeah. But then, just as a creepy old lady aunt is about to kill grace anyway with her axe she explodes <laughs> <laughs> and then one by one every member of the family follows uh, after her
1: <laughs> and she like snorts she's like laughing because it's just yeah, she, funny she, she, to her at grace this point Just laughing
2: it's yeah she's having a great time yeah then, as uh as alex is like <laughs> i love you know, how he immediately changes his tune oh, at this
1: point it's so yeah it's so great <laughs> that he's just there He is just covered in blood
2: yeah
1: (laughs) and he's like i'm different you've changed me like it's just he's just trying to convince her now yeah
2: yeah. he's not he's not taking me because of you you've made me a better person
1: (laughs) i'm not like them and he's just his face is just covered in blood and he looks crazy Yeah.
2: (laughs) and then he explodes as well (laughs) Yeah. and she makes her way out of the mansion which is now fully on fire and uh has a smoke, and uh, that's it, the end.
1: <laughs> yeah, and her dress is now... You wouldn't even know it was a wedding dress at this point. It is a different yeah, no, color. Yeah, it's just like...
2: Yeah. It's just, like, black, practically. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> she's covered in blood and dirt and grime, and it's beautiful. Um, <laughs> so, obviously, I really like this movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's so tight, and everything leads to the next thing that happens there's no like there's just nothing extraneous about it I feel like Uh, every character works for what they need to do in the story and uh, every character is utilized really well I do have a few like little trivia tidbits so there were 17 different versions of the wedding dress
1: (laughs) oh okay
2: all right (laughs) for all of the different phases that it goes through in this movie um uh the revolver um that uh I think it's the sister is using uh in the scenes is actually mm-hmm. the uh, same uh, style that is in the uh game clue oh
1: <laughs> so that was
2: intentional okay, all right <laughs> and uh, I just thought this was really funny. Adam Brody apparently accidentally stabbed a producer with what he thought was a retractable knife <laughs> but was not. <laughs> Uh, and the guy ended up having to go to the hospital. Oh, my and- gosh. <laughs> he was fine, but he needed stitches. Oh. But it's it's a, a, a hilarious, like, reverse knives out. Yeah, no, like, it is. That's
1: exactly, he had, yes. He thought oh. he had a
2: retractable knife, and he didn't.
1: Okay, so that was Ready or Not. I really enjoy Ready or Not. I think it's really funny. I think that Grace is really likable in it. And I I feel like you're on board for their relationship at the beginning because I feel like they're cute together. Like, her and Alex are, are cute together. Um, yeah,
2: I do really like, oh, I forgot his name. It gets Mark something, uh, who plays, yeah, the the groom in it. I've, he, he pops up in a lot of things. He does. I, 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 I'm always a fan uh, of whatever he's in.
1: Yeah, um, he's really good. Who's in Halt and
2: Catch Fire, and, uh, and he played a... a serial killer on Hannibal
1: so right. and then for our like second or third movie depending on how many you want to do uh, we have (laughs) Kill Bill volumes one and two this is directed and written by Quentin Tarantino and the score is actually by uh, Robert Rodriguez uh, who's the director of like Sin City and Alita Battle Angel and Grindhouse um, that Quentin Tarantino did the other half of so, for this movie, apparently there was over uh, 450 uh, gallons of fake blood used for, oh for both films. <laughs> which well, I, Honestly, you
2: know, I would have expected more. Yeah. <laughs> 450
1: seems low. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so the film opens uh, at a chapel. The chapel is actually in Lancaster, so if we want to, like, post-quarantine, we could do, like, a little movie matchup tour, and we could go to, like, The Rocks and Bill and Ted, and we could, like, go to this chapel and stuff, so. That would be great. Yeah. I'd like to do that. I'd like to to go and see all these things. Um, So we open (laughs) on uh, A Bloody Bride, and Bill, played by David Carradine, is wiping blood off of her face, and he tells her that, like you'd think me like sadistic for doing this, but really this is me at my most masochistic. And she says, Bill, it's your baby. And he just shoots her in the face. And that's how we open. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So this film is like many Quentin Tarantino films. This movie is told out of order. So I'm going to try to explain it, I guess, as we kind of like go through still going in the order of the, of the film, which is not chronological order. But because she is trying to get revenge on the people who tried to kill her and her husband and her baby and her friends, uh, which is like the, the deadly viper assassination squad is the, is the group of the people. Um, so uh, she's trying to kill all these people. We do not see, the, we do not start with the first person. We start with the, the second person on her list. But the first person that we see um, is her going to the suburbs to the home of the Bells uh, where she fights Vernita Green. Uh, played by Vivica A. Fox who's now going by the name Jeannie Bell and so she shows up to the house and they just suddenly start fighting and I really enjoy how all the different fight sequences in both films are very different and very like about the setting that they are in so this one is just like she's become very domestic so just in the house so as they're fighting, they're just using the things that are around them. So we're using like a coffee table. There's like shelves with knickknacks and stuff like that. And so they're they're fighting and they're having a knife fight. And then the school bus just pulls up to the house <laughs> and they just stop. As you see this little girl just like get off the school bus and just walk up to the house. And this is Renita Green's daughter, Nikki. And so she comes in and she wants to know what happened. And so they just, <laughs> you know, they don't want to fight.
2: <laughs> yeah I, I really love that moment when they're like they're still facing off and they like she knows that her her daughter is going to be coming in the door any second and they're just sort of like having a conversation with their eyes like please don't do this right now yeah <laughs> and like just as the door opens they both put their knives behind
0: their hands
1: yeah and of course <laughs> hey, <she's>... sweetie. yeah <laughs> hey baby how was school <laughs> yeah and uh so then you know like Nikia asks, like, what happened, and so she has to like blame it on the dog, just like very domestic. Yeah. It's like, oh, that like the dog did it, and so then she goes and she goes. Look to- like
2: covered in blood. Yeah, just, like, yeah. To act like everything's normal.
1: hmm Yeah. It's just the house is destroyed. There's just glass yeah. everywhere. <laughs> yeah. So Nikki goes to her room, and then Vernita offers her a cup of coffee. So then, just you know, over coffee, they're just gonna plan when they're gonna have this knife fight to the death. Uh, and she's gonna fix Nikki's cereal and so she takes down a box of kaboom cereal and trying to catch uh the bride by surprise there's a gun in the kaboom cereal box and she shoots but she misses her and then the bride throws the knife that she was using um and uh gets it in Vernita's chest and kills her um unfortunately probably because of the gunshot uh Nikki comes down and uh, sees what happened. So she knows that the bride has killed her mom. And she tells her, when you grow up, if you feel still feel raw about it, I'll be waiting. Which is supposed to be the idea, if we ever get like a Kill Bill Volume 3, that it was supposed to be like if Nikki is now, is now grown. Which I guess they're still talking about it. They still talked about it last year. I don't know if we'll ever get it. But I guess it's not completely out of the realm of possibilities. So yeah
2: oh that's interesting it would be really cool like especially you know this sequence kind of parallels what happens later the backstory that we get later basically Mm -hmm. um with oren uh so it would be kind of cool to see this as a backstory for a a future movie i think Mm -hmm.
1: so then we are going to go back in time four and a half years and we go back to the chapel and michael park's plays um a police officer along with his real life son who's the who's the other officer like in the scene and oh. they they show up to the to the chapel crime scene and there's nine people that are dead and they realize that um the bride has not died and uh, so she goes into a coma and we meet another one of the uh deadly viper assassination squad members l driver played by daryl hannah and she wears an ipad she's got great looks the whole time yeah. like her hair looks great and she wears all these different outfits so she's in like her a, hair is on point as yes the lipstick <laughs> yes in a classic nurse's outfit and her eye patch she goes to visit her in the coma um planning to kill her and just as she's about to kill her bill calls and tells um Elle not to do it so l is upset but she's not gonna disobey what bill wants so we then jump to four years in the future. So basically, we're we're six months behind present day, just to keep it kind of like,
0: yeah.
1: Clear. So, <laughs> so after four years, she wakes up from her coma. She realizes she has a metal plate in her head, and she realizes that like she was very pregnant, so now her belly is gone. So now she has lost oh, her God, baby. Yeah. So she's that just, moment where she like grabs that her stomach uh, is just oh <laughs> yeah. She's just devastated yeah um and then she can hear people so she pretends to to still be asleep and so just to add like insult to injury she realizes that her nurse buck has also been letting people have sex with her unconscious body they're like paying him to to do that so it, things are just terrible all around and uh so then she <laughs> uh she ends up uh injuring both of them the guy that was supposed to have sex with her and and buck and so after she i do just want to
2: point out as someone from texas i remember that buck told her that he's
1: from huntsville texas because uh
2: uh, a a place i've been many times because i have friends who went to school in huntsville texas the only things in huntsville texas are sam houston state university and the texas penitentiary so
1: oh (laughs) yeah okay
2: all right it's uh uh yeah it's it's a school and a prison basically. okay that's, all right that's what comprises that's
1: okay that town. <laughs> all right
2: just a little backstory for you yeah I you. think
1: that i mean that that makes sense yeah so then after she uh gains feeling back in her body she steals buck's car the pussy wagon um, and then she begins her roaring rampage of revenge. And so the first person on her her list is Oren Ishii, played by Lucy Liu. So then we get Oren's backstory, which is an animated sequence. And when she was a small child, she witnessed the death of her parents. And then she goes on her own mission of revenge. So then at eleven, um, she kills the. U- who's boss, Matsumoto who was responsible for the death of her parents and then like by 20 she's a top assassin and then at 25 she participated in the massacre at two pines which is where they attempted to murder the bride and did murder everybody else that that was in the chapel at the time once the the bride's first stop once that she's out of the coma um is that she's going to go to Okinawa and see Hattori Hanzo um who is the finest swordsmith in the world and he's made a vow to not make instruments of death anymore. Um, however, when the bride mentions that she needs it to go after Bill, uh, his former student, he agrees to make her a, a sword. Now, Oren has become like the supreme leader of the Tokyo Yakuza. Her best friend is Sophie Fatal, who is Oren's like second in command and her lawyer. And she's also, as the bride walks past, she's a Red Apple cigarettes model. Uh, which red apple <laughs> cigarettes are, like, the ongoing cigarette brand in all Quentin's movies. So, yes, yeah, so she's a red apple cigarettes model as well. So she does a lot. Um, Johnny Moe is the leader of Oren's army uh, called the Crazy 88. And then we have Gogo Yubari, uh, who is Oren's personal bodyguard. And I had a poster of on my wall when I was younger. She's great. Yeah. <laughs> Such an iconic look. Yes, yeah. So then, they are at the house of Blue Leaves, like a bar, like sushi restaurant, kind of the, that they're at, and this is where the bride is going to go and surprise them. So we have like a a long sequence also of like her going to the bathroom to change and going up to where Oren is and like around. It's like a a long a long ta- long shot. And um, mm-hmm. it took six hours, I guess, to to rehearse it as it goes around, and then it took 17 takes to get it right, and um, it's rumored that the steady cam operator passed out from exhaustion.:
0: Oh God to do it.
1: But you know what? it looks great. so <laughs> <laughs> uh, give that guy a break there.
0: You know? yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the bride's yellow outfit that she wears was inspired by uh, Bruce Lee in the film "Game of Death." <clears throat> and so then, the bride confronts Oren. She cuts off Sophie Fatale's arm. She fights like a handful of of the Crazy Eighty Eight, and then she fights Gogo, and then Johnny Mo and the rest of the Crazy Eighty Eight show up, and she has to fight the rest of them. And it's a very stylized sequence, so it like cuts to black and white. Um, they're silhouetted behind paper walls. They fight on the staircase. There's like wire work in the scene. And then she fights uh, Oren. Oh, right, there's
2: these, the, the spray of blood throughout the entire thing. Yes, just too excess.:
1: <laughs> Yes. Yeah, that's why we have the it like goes to black and white, I feel like, is because there's just it was like too too much to actually see the the red. So yeah. um, she then goes to to fight Oren. And what I like about the sequence is like after all this, it's just there's just a bunch of blood and and death and everything, and then they just go out into the snow. It's just mm-hmm. very delicate on the ground. The only sound is this bamboo water fountain that's going back and forth. Oren is dressed completely in white and she takes off her little slippers to fight her and she just very delicately takes off her white slipper with her white sock and just slowly, delicately pushes it back in the snow. Just very, just very carefully. Like, just so soft. <laughs> just pushes them back. And then they fight. And in um, uh, Japanese... Oren says to her I hope you saved your energy if you haven't you may not last five minutes and the fight sequence actually lasts four minutes and 59 seconds <laughs> so I did not know that yeah. you know. oh Tarantino <laughs> so she cuts off the top of Oren's after they fight she cuts off the top of Oren's head and Oren's last thought is that that really was because it could cut off the top of her head that it really was a Hotori Hanzo sword <laughs> So then we get uh, a very classic Tarantino shot. We get a trunk uh, point of view shot of Sophie because Sophie has not died. So the bride has taken Sophie, thrown her in the trunk, and she saved her so that she can tell Bill what happened. So it ends with Sophie kind of relaying back what has happened and ends on a cliffhanger with Bill um, asking Sophie if she's aware that her daughter is still alive. And then like the music kicks in as just like this nice moment yes. and cliffhangers <laughs> so that you just want to watch the, the next one. So, yeah, so that is volume one. And if you are willing to continue on to a third film, uh, which would be great if you can, because again, it was a cliffhanger. And if yeah. you only end on the first movie of the five people she wants to kill, she only kills two of them and not the one that makes it really personal. So continue yeah. on to volume two. <laughs> So we start with her in the car, and she's like recapping what happened in in volume one for the audience. And we go to the massacre at Two Pines, which you realize is not uh, her actual wedding day; it's the wedding rehearsal. <clears throat> and Bill shows up, and there's a great scene of them outside together, talking um, on the the like deck of the of the chapel. And he's finally found her, and she he finds out that she's marrying someone else. So it's this weird moment because he—it's nothing's ever like really obvious. I feel like you get like hints at a relationship, and you're just getting like bits and pieces. But I really en- enjoy the moment, and he says that he'll try to be sweet. So you can tell it's not in his nature to be kind.
2: It, and there are moments like this throughout the the two movies where you sort of these see her and the, you know this person that she wants to to kill that, she, that she's gonna have like a fight to the death with ha- have this sort of like these almost catch-up moments like like their old buddies and stuff like that um and they're just talking like i guess that's just that's what happens when your job is an assassin sometimes you know <laughs> you're like making small talk with the person that you're going to uh
1: <laughs> to kill later <laughs> yeah because i guess you have a history so you can just kind of go go yeah. back and forth but yeah, so then there's an, an awkward moment where he's going to he's gonna go into the chapel. And she obviously, she is now going by the name Arlene. But because they mm-hmm. are assassins, they'd be very used to playing other people. So it's a very easy transition to just like, all right, just uh, call me Arlene. So he pretends to be her father, uh, which is a really <laughs> awkward moment, I feel like, for yeah. <laughs> an ex to pretend to now be your dad um, but he seems to be willing to let her have this life he doesn't seem super angry he's just gonna let this happen it seems like and she before she goes off, yes seems to before um, (laughs) she goes off to her rehearsal and she gives him uh, like a kiss goodbye essentially Mm -hmm. but things are not okay and uh, so then the, then you see it, like, comes out of the chapel and you see the Deadly Viper assassination squad just, like, standing there outside. And then you just see them go in and you just hear, like, screams um, and people being murdered. So And
2: gunshots. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> and then they try to kill everybody. So then we uh, cut back to present day and Bill is updating his brother Bud, played by Michael Madsen, on the fact that the bride has killed Oren and the crazy eighty eight and she's coming to kill him. And he asks him if he's like kept up with his sword play, which he clearly has not. Uh, and he says that he he says he's hawked his Hattori Hanzo sword for two hundred and fifty dollars, which Bill is just appalled by that you hawked a priceless sword for two hundred and fifty bucks. <laughs> uh, but he says Bud says that woman deserves her revenge and we deserve to die, which I thought was funny because Adam Brody had also said that in,
2: um... Also, they're the brothers in this story, so... Yes! (laughs) That's
1: true.
0: That woman deserves her revenge. And we deserve to die.
1: So then we get a glimpse into Bud's life. But Bud Bud works at a strip club. His boss is just cutting his hours at work because he doesn't like him. Things are just, they're they're not going great. I don't know what you would call like the reverse of a build up. But it's just like this. He's like living in a trailer by himself. Work isn't going well. He doesn't have a lot of money. He like goes back to his trailer after work. And he seems to just like sit down and play like some slow music so it's just you just feel kind of uh, just sad and then all of a sudden like the door opens up the bride is there and she's trying to surprise him and he just immediately shoots her in the chest with a shotgun (laughs) so it's like oh okay so it yeah it's it's a real surprise but you find out (laughs) that he has shot her uh with rock salt so she's not going to die right away it would just really sting
2: just, uh, uh, I don't want to think about
1: how painful that would be. No, like you think about pouring right salt in, the- in. Yeah, like salt in a wound is like a thing, but it's like I can't imagine just getting shot with salt. Like that's just. But yeah, so he then be so that she can't fight. He drugs her, mm-hmm. and then he calls L to see to offer her the the Bride Satori Hanzo sword. And tells her, like, if she's willing to come, essentially, to his trailer with a million dollars, which I love that it's like he's supposed to have hawked the other one for 250 bucks. And it's like, I'll sell you this one for a million (laughs) dollars. And she agrees. So she's going to, she's going to come out there the next day. So he then decides that he is going to bury her alive, which is just a nightmare, just just horrible <laughs> yeah a real horrible way to go so him and his friend uh decide they just they put her in a box they tell her that he was gonna, he's like i'm either going to leave you with this flashlight or he's just going to shoot if she struggles shoot an entire can of mace in her eye so she gets buried and you can just hear the nails going into the coffin you can hear oh. like the the dirt hitting the, the, dirt the top being, uh, hitting the, the top of the no <laughs> have the box yeah and then you can hear them driving away so yeah so that's that's just terrible uh, so then we uh, flashbacks and she's stuck in in this coffin we flash back in time to her training and bill uh, tells her a story about paime who is going to be her teacher she, he explains that uh, Pai Mei was passing a Shaolin monk one day and the monk did not return the slightest of nods that Pai Mei had given him. And so Pai Mei wanted his neck. And since they weren't willing to let Pai Mei kill the one monk, he killed 60 of them. He just <laughs> killed everyone and made famous the five-point palm exploding heart technique which is where you hit a person in five different pressure points on their body, and then when they take five steps, their heart explodes. And he teaches this technique to no one, Bill says, and so he tell, Bill tells her like, to obey paime. Uh, and then <laughs> they infer you know, like if you like, do this or that, he'll like, take this or that like, from you, so you kind of get the idea that that's probably how Elle lost her eye. Uh, Paime is actually played by Gordon Liu, who was also Johnny Mo in Oren's, rens um, like, the head of her Crazy Idiots, by the, the same actor. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do enjoy the moment when Bill drops her off for her training. Like, he, she is waiting in the car. He has gone up to see if Paime will take her as a student. And he just comes down, and he's just kind of, like, he's just irritated, and he's got blood on his face, and you can tell that they fought, like, they didn't get along just in that, like, time. He's agreed <laughs> to take her, but, like, just... <laughs> <laughs> that things are going to be very difficult. uh with Paime, and that he also he doesn't like caucasians, americans or women, so she's uh, working at a disadvantage right from the start. Yeah. So the training with Paime is rough. He like teaches her a uh, 3-inch punch technique, which is essentially like putting out your hand to touch something and you have to punch something and the idea is you could punch like through something or make a strong punch out of something that's that close to you because like what if you're in Yeah, she has to
2: punch through the wood without winding back basically. Yeah she only has that much space between like her fingers and and the wood
1: yes so you can see the toll that the training is taking on her she can't hold chopsticks and he makes her have to use them to eat she dreams about punching and accidentally punches the wall and hurts her hand (laughs) and the three inch punch is inspired by bruce lee's one inch punch in real life uh which there's videos of on the internet if you would like to uh, to google them So then we cut back to her in the coffin where she's going to have to to use this technique. And what she first does is she gets a straight razor razor out of her boots, which is the same straight razor that Michael Madsen uses in Reservoir Dogs to cut the cop's ear off. (laughs) So she uses the straight razor to cut her hands free, and then she's going to have to use her three-inch punch to break through the coffin, which she does, and it's a great moment, and we have this music, and you can just... It's, it's a, it's a nice moment. And then after that, there's a great comedy moment of her just walking (laughs) in the dark to this diner and she just kind of like bopping along and there's all this just dirt just flying off her body. Just dirt flying off of her. (laughs) And then she just asks for a glass of water. So then.
2: (laughs) I do feel like that also sort of reminds me of Ready or Not, just her at the end just like completely covered and just, you know. Yeah. Just junk. Just yeah. <laughs> just, there these, these two moments of these brides are, you know, at one point you see them in they're their pretty white wedding dresses and then another point they're just like head to toe grind. Yeah.
1: It's been a night. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so then Elle is driving in her car on her way to meet Bud and the bride is walking through the desert and as she gets back to where Bud's trailer is, she sees Elle pulling up to his to his trailer um so then we get this nice moment I so this I really enjoyed this whole sequence that happens in Bud's trailer Mm -hmm. and I feel like Tarantino does certain things that other people wouldn't do in their film so like Michael Madsen is making frozen margaritas and while he's making frozen margaritas Elle says a line and you can't hear what it is over the sound of of the blender, the blender and so then it's like what she has to like repeat the line which i feel like is not something that you see in films but i i just enjoy like those little those little things so yeah. he ends up he talks to her and asks like now that her you know her greatest nemesis is dead if she is filled with relief or regret and she ends up saying regret so then uh, Because she's buying the sword, Bud is going to get his money. So he opens the the suitcase full of money. And at first, he's very excited that he now has a million dollars. He doesn't need his job at the strip club anymore. And as he Mm. picks up like the first layer of money, a black mamba is in the suitcase. And it pops out and it bites him in the face three times. So then Elle has this really... Yeah, warning if you have a fear of
2: snakes. Oh, (laughs) yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yikes, (laughs) yikes
1: <laughs> yeah so l's like entire like all the dialogue that she says like from the moment that he is bit in the face the whole time i really enjoy this entire sequence as she yeah, just kind of like talks longer. to him yes just about like about the black just educating him on yeah. the black mama just so matter of <laughs> fact. pay attention because
2: this applies to you yeah, this, yeah.
1: <laughs> just with how much uh venom and how he's going to die, essentially, because of it. And yeah. she, yes, yeah, she says gargantuan. And I'm going to have producer Ryan put in a little clip of, of what she says uh, for the whole thing, just so that you can hear the, the whole thing.
0: In Africa, the saying goes, in the bush, an elephant can kill you, a leopard can kill you, and a black mamba can kill you. But only with the mamba, and this has been true in Africa since the dawn of time, is death sure. Hence, its handle, Death Incarnate. Pretty cool, huh? Its neurotoxic venom is one of nature's most effective poisons, acting on the nervous system causing paralysis. The venom of a black mamba can kill a human being in four hours, if, say, bitten on the ankle or the thumb. However, a bite to the face or torso can bring death from paralysis within 20 minutes. Now, you should listen to this because this concerns you. The amount of venom that can be delivered from a single bite can be gargantuan. You know, I've always liked that word gargantuan. I so rarely have an opportunity to use it in a sin.
1: Elle then calls Bill and says that the bride put a black mamba in Bud's trailer, so she killed him, and then she takes credit for burying the bride. And tells him uh, that if he ever, you know, wants to go and see her, he can go visit the grave of of Paula Schultz. Elle then collects the money and she opens the door to leave and the bride is there. Um, (laughs) Also known as Beatrix Kiddo, which he calls her the entire movie. And you assume it's just like a nickname that he keeps calling her Kiddo, but it's actually her name. Yeah. So I really enjoy... Since we had, like, the very domestic fight scene in the house, and then we had, like, this big elaborate fight scene with the Yakuza, and now we have this fight scene in, like, a very small space in this trailer. Yeah, in the trailer. And I like that they can't open the sword. Like, there's not enough space to unsheath the sword, so, like, that's a thing. And she uses, like, a she rips an t- antenna off of the TV uh, to be a sword <laughs> and a guitar. And she, the bride, Beatrix, she puts... Elle's face in the toilet. And this was the first time I'd ever seen that because I feel like you'd see people put other people's faces in the toilet. And I had never before seen someone just flush the toilet to get rid of the yes. water. Like, you can't I'd never seen that before. It's like, oh, that's so, that's such a good idea. Why have I never <laughs> seen that? And they throw, like, the chewing tobacco spit. The bride, like, throws that Ugh. on Elle. And she just says, gross. Like, I just, <laughs> yeah. So then while they're while they're fighting – The bride sees Bud's sword that he did not sell for $250 in a golf Mm -hmm. bag so now they both have Hattori Hanzo swords and it's just building to this great moment where they're just going to face off inside of the trailer and before they do the bride asks Elle you know what did you say to Paime to make him snatch out your eye and she called him a miserable old fool and then she also reveals that she actually killed him she poisoned his fish heads So she murdered Beatrix's master. So, you know, the tension is just rising of all of these things. And then they they run at each other and they fight with swords for a little bit. And then Beatrix just snatches out her other eye, just leaving her blind. So she is just screaming and flailing and hitting the walls of like everything in the trailer. And then the bride is just fine. She's just, she's going to leave. <laughs> so she's just, she doesn't have shoes on. She steps on her eye. It's so gross.
2: Oh, it's so gross.
1: Uh, she's going. Uh, and the black. I do also
2: yeah. like, sorry, going back a bit, that the, the all of the, the ways that we know about that she's killed people are like
1: poisoning them
2: or something like that. Like most of the people in these movies are you know fighters and clearly she can fight but it's interesting that like she was gonna she was gonna poison the bride and in the, in the hospital bed yeah. she poisoned the master as she you know snuck the the snake into uh um oh yeah things, um,
1: buds yeah suitcase, uh, suitcase. yeah they're all anyway. poison yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is interesting so yeah, so she she leaves. Uh, we don't know for certain that Elle does die. I would assume so, since she is now blind and in a trailer with a black mamba. That it's yeah, some with, point with deadly snake. <laughs> with, that at some point she will be bitten and die. But it is possible, I suppose, that, that possible for her to survive. Yeah. Um. So then maybe in the sequel. <laughs> maybe you know what? If we get that sequel, she probably is still alive because I don't know why you you wouldn't have her her comeback. Then uh, she continues, the the Beatrix kiddo is going to continue on to try to find Bill. She stomps and sees Esteban, uh, who took care of him when he was a kid, played by Michael Parks again, dual role, and he tells Beatrix where Bill is because he says that Bill would want him to tell her. She asked him. So he, she then goes on to find where Bill is, uh, with the plan to just like come in and just fight and just kill him. She has a gun. She's ready to go. And when she finds him, she is just shocked. I can't imagine this moment. She yeah. just has a gun. She's ready to shoot him. And she sees her daughter. Her daughter is mm-hmm. alive. And her her name is bb So bb her daughter, and Bill both just in a very child. You know, like you would as a child, pretend to be shot by the actual gun she is holding and just sort of go down on the ground and then Bill is kind of explaining as if it's just pretend you know pretend that BB yeah. really playing a game. Yeah. BB isn't really shot and gets up and she shoots for pretend again uh <laughs> her mother, Beatrix. And now in this moment, Beatrix has to pretend to be shot by her daughter she didn't know was alive (laughs) and she's just crying like it's just it would just be such a surreal moment to have to do that yeah so she does she plays along and then we continue on to have this weird moment in the kitchen where Bill who seems like a good father like very weird he's like making sandwiches for Bibi. And he's cutting the crusts off of them as he makes her sandwich. Still like with a knife that he's using more than the rest of us would like use a knife, but just he's speaking, you know, <laughs> very calmly and softly as he like tells the story how BB is learning about life and death and this incident that she had with her goldfish that she that she killed and how she felt bad about it. Just a very odd scene. It's very good. I I enjoy yeah all, all of the stuff with them. So then B.B. and Beatrix watch Shogun Assassin as she falls asleep. And now that B.B. is asleep, Beatrix can go and and talk to Bill and they can can fight it out. So she tries to go for Bill's sword, but he shoots at her. And then he ends up Mm -hmm. shooting her with truth serum. Because before they fight to the death, he wants some answers about (laughs) what happened. Um, So he ends up talking about comic books which is weird now because this happened in the early 2000 and now I feel like there's this kind of just we've seen so many comic book movies that at first you're just like you know you don't have to explain it but he has like a real point that he's trying to make when he when he talks about them and he compares Beatrix to Superman who unlike other superheroes who are like regular people who become this alter ego superhero Superman was born Superman he wakes up every day and he is Superman and his alter ego is Clark Kent this person who is weak and unsure of himself and that's like her she wakes up she is a killer she would wake up if she married Tommy the guy that she was going to marry she would wake up as Beatrix kiddo and put on a costume of Arlene Plimpton if she were to get married and he asks her if she thought that this life in El Paso would work and since she's been shot with truth serum she admits that she doesn't think that it would work. and But she would have had BB and that she enjoyed killing people. Mm-hmm. So then he wants to know exactly like what happened with the last job. So she explains that on the last job that she had she took a pregnancy test. She found out that she was pregnant. And another assassin comes for her and she fights it out and she's you know she had planned to do this job but it's like now that she is pregnant and she's going to be a mother everything is different her whole life has changed
2: it's a great scene it is with just her trying to explain to the assassin that she's pregnant and she's like and had just taken the test and she's like it's on the floor right by your feet yeah
1: she's just trying to hold the gun and fumble to try to find the test (laughs) <laughs> and
2: like read the pregnancy test instructions like, at the same time. I don't know what
1: the shit means. Like just yeah. And then I, I love that she closes the door and the assassin had just shot this giant hole in the door and just right before she leaves she's like congratulations. And then, she just, <laughs> and then she just leaves. Uh. So once she became pregnant she decided that she was going to quit. She was going to do the best thing for her child and she was just going to go on the run and really it was because she was trying to protect The baby from Bill. Mm -hmm. So he had thought in his mind that she went on this job and she was murdered. So for three months he mourned the death of this woman that he loved and was in a relationship with. And he went to find her killers. And then of course when he shows up to find out who killed her, he finds her alive, very pregnant, and marrying someone else. Mm -hmm. And he says that maybe he overreacted. (laughs) So so then then
2: this is the plot of the entire movie Bill overreacted yes Bill
1: overreacted and uh, yeah because the woman he loved he thought that she died and then she was going to marry someone else and uh, yeah so they fight and she ends up doing the five point palm exploding heart technique on him which she had never told him that she learned from Paime. But she did. So then Bill dies. And we end with Beatrix getting Bebe. She has Bebe. And, you know, now her revenge, you know, is, is done. She can now go complete. on. Yeah, it's complete. She can go have this life with Bebe, uh, which is very nice. And then we get a long credit, a really long credit sequence of her driving in a car. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so we end... We end on a happy note, which is really nice.
2: It is. Do you think the implication is that she can make it work just as a mother, as her alter ego? Because it kind of seems like we're left on a note like that, even though throughout the whole movie, I feel like they're kind of driving home that, like, this is who she is. Like, she's a killer and she won't be able to escape it.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't know and I do like that they introduced that that it's not just simply it's like oh no this is your occupation and this is what you are doing all of the time and this consumes you and suddenly you could just change your nature just shut all of that off and just make sandwiches or whatever but you know I I feel like there's a balance to that because the rest of them seem to be doing that in some way so you would see how that that would go I'm sure there'd be bumps along the way but Bill seems to have raised her for four years and Renita Green in the beginning she also was very domestic she was like coaching softball it's like she was like coaching sports like for her kid and she was just being like a stay at home wife so yeah I feel like if we
2: were to continue on the story past the movie we would probably we would probably get to that point uh, in her story where she's you know she's tried to put it all behind and then something from her past comes back
1: yeah, her. I imagine even if any, I, I mean, it would be Nikki or Nakia that would come. But, you know, I feel like she would have crossed paths with a lot of people. And since yeah. she is a murderer, <laughs> pissed a lot of people off. So I, I can't imagine that no one else um would come for her or look for her. She just wouldn't run into somebody or, you know.
2: Yeah, I mean, so. just in, in these two movies, we see her kill a lot of people. And, uh, you know, who knows what she got up to before this even happened when she was just a straight-up assassin.
1: Yeah. yeah. All right. So that is our two But it's nice that they leave us on a happy note. (laughs) Yes. No, I'm glad glad that she has the option. You know, I, I feel like even though she is a murderer and you know that she's an assassin, you still like her. You feel for her. You feel terrible that this life of her trying to get out of it was taken away from her in yeah. such a terrible way that you want her to be able to try to leave it behind and have and have happiness. But it would be fair if someone else, I guess, had been, you know, hurt by her and they decided to come after her as well. So Yeah. Yeah. All right. Should we talk about food? Uh for ready or not, is not a whole lot of food in the movie.
2: No. Um there's a lot of drinking happening. Champagne. Um Madame Brody is, is drinking it looks like whiskey pretty much the entire movie. And then there's the scene with the tea and there's like a fruit plate on the counter at that point. So you, you could just have like tea and, and a, a fruit platter or something like that. I also thought it would be fun to do um, like a, a hidden surprise wedding cake with like, looks like a wedding cake on the outside and then, you know, it's kind of like, I think they're also called, called pinata cakes where you cut into them and there's something like there's like a cavity basically inside the cake. And if you could have like red candies or something like
1: that. That's a good idea.
2: Because blood. Um. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Also, I was trying to think of like maybe something exploding, some sort of exploding uh, <laughs> dish. Like maybe just pop rocks or something like that. You could always, if you want to go low key. Um.
1: <laughs> that would be very appropriate for either film. Really? Just something that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> if people can make things explode, I yeah, all I all I wrote down for it was like champagne, and then cult potion. Like if someone wanted to make a cocktail of the cult potion that they drink at the end, oh. but not poisoned, just a uh, just a regular, just like your regular no, cult yeah, potion. Yeah, don't poison yourself. Please. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, and then volume. Like, Kill Bill has a good amount of food in it. So I wrote down because I told you I had originally had the idea because they talk about you know trick cereal. There's a line with Oren yes. and the bride, mm-hmm. where she, you know you thought it was going to be that easy. It's like silly rabbit tricks are for kids. So for kids. I thought that you could uh, do. Uh, they have little ninja cookie cutters, and you could just make like trick cereal treats instead of rice krispie ones, and like cut them out into into ninjas. But they also,
2: I the cereal that she shoots the gun out of at the beginning. It looks like Fruit Loops, I think. On yeah. the
1: floor. Yeah, it's called kaboom, it's called but they else, they but... don't make it anymore. But yes, you could do something inspired by the the kaboom yeah. cereal that looks like it. Yeah. And then they also have tea um in the movie and she offers her, you know, coffee with cream and sugar. Mm-hmm. Uh Hotori Hanzo serves her uh tuna nigiri and warm sake. And then one of the Crazy 88's mentions uh, to the guy working at the the House of Blue Leaves that he wants... Charlie Brown. <laughs> Charlie Brown, yeah. He mentions to Charlie Brown that he wants four pepperoni pizzas. And then, like, we have Japanese whiskey. Uh, there's... She has to eat the white rice with chopsticks. Mm. Bud makes frozen margaritas. We have Bill's homemade sandwich if you wanted to have sandwiches. There's Chicken Champ on the counter in Bud's trailer. Uh, tequila just general sushi obviously like again don't poison yourself but something with fish heads just beer (laughs) water and then uh, we have the exploding mango that Bill shoots at the end when he's trying to stop her from grabbing the the sword now what I decided so what I've decided to make for Kill Bill was I was going to make in honor of Oren who's half Chinese half Japanese American I decided to make rice balls Uh, so the onigiri rice balls And then, so those are a Japanese food, and then Mm. I'm going to fill them with uh, Chinese food. So we were going to do Kung Pao chicken in one, and then in another one, I was going to do, I have to figure it out, but I was either going to do like turkey and gravy for something Mm. American or like bacon, eggs, and cheese. So I was going to try to do like an American and a Chinese version of a Japanese rice ball. To kind of represent nice. all of those things. So I think we're going to have those great idea. tomorrow. Yeah, my mom used to make those for me as a kid. She, I would just get the little rice triangles. <laughs> yeah. I never knew how she made them. Like, I have a little mold for them. I don't remember ever seeing a mold growing up. But, yeah, she would give me the little rice triangles. So I don't know. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. So that's, uh, that's our menu. Grace, do you want to tell people where they can find us? Okay. Well, then, yeah, thanks for
2: joining us. Uh, everybody you can find us uh, on instagram at movie underscore matchup and uh tune in next time when we'll be doing agoraphobic
0: hitchcock Yay! say that five times fast yeah <laughs> <laughs> bye